Ladies and gentlemen, saddle up. I'm Kent Garrison. I'm Richard Barton. And this is Mad About Movie. Da, 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 da. You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Mad About Movies is your go-to movie podcast for all things concerning the world of cinema. We discuss movie news, movie rumors, and those ever-important movie rumblings. Then we break it on down for our chosen movie of the week. Don't be scared, though. About halfway through that point, we will warn you when we go in the spoiler territory. And make sure you stick around for the end of our show so you can hear those wonderful weekly recommends. And also, make sure you check out our website, madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Kent, this week's chosen movie of the week is... This week we are discussing Seth MacFarlane's A Million Ways to Die in the West. The American West is a terrible place in time. Everything out here that's not you wants to kill you. Angry, drunk people. Hungry animals. Outlaws. Oh, the doctor. I couldn't save her. She had a splinter, doc. So, Richard, mm-hmm. second raunch calm of the summer so far. Yep. For a second of, what do we have, like four or five? We got a lot of raunch comms this year. Doesn't yeah. seem like we have many comedies that aren't yeah. R-rated, very mm-hmm. um, very inappropriate. You're not going to be able to take your kids to any comedies this summer, it seems no. like. Um, hold out for How to Train Your Dragon 2. I'm sure yes. that'll get get that um, get that done for when you. When does that come out? Uh, it comes out at the middle of this month, like okay. two weeks from now, I think. That's going to crush. Yeah, that's going to be a huge movie. So yeah, quite adult-themed comedies this summer. Uh, we haven't gotten a lot of R-rated comedies in the past few years that I know of. I don't, you know, I feel like it's um, it's mainly Adam Sandler PG-13 affairs. Yeah. Sure, we had uh, this is the end last year. Yeah, and uh, I didn't. I don't think the Simon Pegg, The World's End. I didn't. I mean, it was R-rated, but barely. Was it? Like, I think so, but for language, yeah. yeah, yeah, but it wasn't like foul. No, I could take my kids to that and not yeah. feel really weird about it. I don't, yeah. I don't remember being offended or anything in, during that movie. Yeah. Uh, Anchorman 2 was also PG-13, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so here we are in the summer. We are at number two. Neighbors was the other movie we are referring to, which um, you can check out our podcast on that if you have seen that movie. Uh, but this one will be good to talk about. And uh, Richard, let's kick things off with a little movie news stuff. Movie news. Yes! Rumors and rumbling. That's awesome! Let's the filibustering begin. So as you guys may have noticed, Brian Gill is not uh, able to join us for this episode, uh, but we are doing this sort of as a bonus episode for those of you who dared to uh, see this movie in the theaters this past weekend, and uh, we will have a normal podcast this coming Tuesday in which we will be discussing John Favreau's Chef, so look forward to that and see Chef in the next couple days uh, if you can, uh, but Richard... I don't want to do a a regular news movie news segment per se for us. Um, You and I are comedy aficionados. I would say you and I are definitely comedy gurus. Would you agree with that? As far as guru goes, I can't speak to that, but there's certainly a high level of interest. Exactly. Um, But this movie for me, A Million Ways to Die in the West, just opened up an entirely new conversation. I want to talk in broad terms uh, for movie news this week. Uh, just about the current state of comedy. Okay. And um, this is going to go across TV and movies, but I just want to talk about where comedy is right now. And uh, we, we had a little bit of conversation via text this past week 
regarding Saturday Night Live, which we'll talk about uh, in this segment as well. But I want to just get your thoughts of where comedy is right now. Um, do you think comedy is struggling? Do you think comedy is a uh, success right now? Do you think it's at a high point right now? Do you think it's at a middle point? Where do you feel, uh, in general terms, where comedy stands uh, as of today? Hmm. That's, a, that's interesting. I, I think we're definitely in a bit of a valley um, in terms of, you know, both television and, uh, and film. I, I think... But I'm not one of these, like, the sky is falling people. I think we were at a really great peak, you know, three, four, five years ago. Um, right. So it, it, these things obviously are secular. And I don't, I'm not uh, pessimistic about the future of comedy at all. Um, right. We were talking about television. SNL is kind of in a valley right now, as they've been 18 times in the past. And maybe next year or the year after, it'll be, you know, the best show on TV again. And I fully expect it to. In terms of movies, um, I just think we've, we have this kind of troop of people um, that have been successful and then we kind of just beat them into the ground with comedy. And I don't mm-hmm. think they use a lot of um, new talent unless they're sort of introduced through um, that group of existing people, right? Like you have Ike sure. Barinholtz and Neighbors, sure. who's kind of a hot comic voice right now, but he's only – the only reason we get to see him, obviously he's on Mindy Project and things, but the only reason kind of the mass gets to see him is because he's at a Seth Rogen movie. You know, there's this kind of group people of like Rogen and Hill. Right. And uh, a few others that, you know, they're this kind of, right, um, the term's been used a million times. There's the Rat Pack, the Brat Pack, the uh, the Frat Pack, and now I don't know what they are. But it, there's this sort of uh, uh, communal aspect of comedy, I think because a lot of these people come through a lot of the same training, that can be really good. But then also it kind of gets a little homogeneous where you have a lot of very similar voices um, making the comedy. I'll give McFarlane this. I think he doesn't necessarily come from the standard school of comedy. And so um, what makes his show interesting and what makes Ted interesting, and then we'll speak to A Million Ways to Die in the West shortly, um, is that at least it comes from a different kind of sensibility. Whether or not that sensibility is always good is is uh, obviously up for debate. But at least it has this sort of different feel to it, whereas a lot of the other stuff has the same. W- would you agree with that? I would agree with that, definitely, especially with the notion that uh, the new comedy stars of, of today are introduced through familiar comedy mm-hmm. stars. Uh, there really hasn't been an independent, like, uh, comedic mind uh, in the past couple years. Uh, Lena Dunham comes to mind. Sure. Uh, as just somebody that sort of came out of nowhere and uh, made her own thing. And, uh, but who? But, who pro- but Judd Apatow yeah, is the one exactly. who discovered her. But it's not like a Judd Apatow threw her and knocked up or something no, and, no. Uh, and that's how we found her. But, you know, uh, it, re- it reminds me a lot. I mean, you come from the music world, right? Uh, it reminds me a lot of bands, right? You, they, they treat a lot of times these supporting stars, like opening acts. Uh-huh. Good point. Um, kind of trying to launch their brand in a weird way, um, through these movies, which it, I don't know. It has a kind of, it, it sours me a little bit. It, it just seems sometimes a little too obvious. No, you're absolutely right. And, I'm just wondering, you know, how much longer we can last with the comedic stars that we have now. You know, like, how much longer do we need to go before people start getting tired of this? Same sure. old, these same old sort of movies. This, this Sandler, uh, how many more PG 13 raunch comms can, can Sandler do before people start turning on him? And, um, we, we might have gotten that answer last week when Blended absolutely flopped at the box office. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like people have sort of like, okay, not again. Uh, we get this. We, we've seen this before, Adam. Just do something original. So we'll have to see 
uh, where what Sandler does. But uh-huh. um, I'm I'm referring to also Judd Apatow. Mm-hmm. Um, like Judd Apatow had such a great run right when he started. Forty Year Old Virgin knocked up. You know, in the past couple of years, he has sort of fallen off. I mean, he's sort of moved more into a producer role. I understand that. But his original stuff just hasn't lived up to the expectation that I had for him. At the, you know, if, if, if we saw Knocked Up a, a few years ago, you would say, man, seven, eight years from now, Judd Apatow is going to be on top of his game. This guy's going to be unstoppable. Just, he's going to grow comedically, and he's just going to be incredible. Um, I understand he is producing more stuff now, but like, uh, what was it? This is 40 a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Just is fine, but uh, just wasn't as funny as it, it could have been and should have been. You know, um, those characters, uh, Leslie Mann and Paul Rudd together, are, are very memorable and funny characters. Uh, but you, you stretch a movie like that out to over two hours, and it, it just ruins uh, any um, pacing or, or comedic pacing that it would have. So, I mean, I don't think Judd Apatow has really led, um, led up to his potential. Do you feel that way? I thought Funny People was kind of a mess, too. I think there's a yeah. good movie inside of both of those movies. Uh, this is 40 and Funny People. Um, right. But I, I want to speak to uh, – comedy is, is um, apparently um, a very finite thing in terms of years, right? I mean, you have um, – I mean, who's funnier than Eddie Murphy from 1983 to you know, 1991? Right. And who's funnier than Jim Carrey from 1994 to 2003? And who's funnier than Sandler uh, from 1994 till, gosh, probably about 99, 2000? He had a good, like, there's some funny Adam Sandler movies. I'm not ashamed to admit that. Um, But it seems like, and I don't know what this is, and it's different for directors, but, you know, it's kind of sad for us because I still think of um, Apatow and Rogan and Jonah Hill and Jason Siegel and that whole kind of group of people. It's like these new comedic voices. But Knocked Up came out, like you said, eight years ago, and that's a pretty standard comedic run where things start getting a lot worse. Um, now, with, there are exceptions to that. You look at somebody like Woody Allen, yes. and, and you know, he's had a... 35, 40 year career of making great films, but there ha- also has been a lot of um, times where there's like a great dearth of, of good movies from him, right? Where he's just turning right. out kind of crappy movies. It's, he, you know, he always comes back around. He's like Madonna, but, um, uh, or I should probably say Madonna's like him, but, uh, but there are, there are periods where the work isn't as good. I think, um, I don't know what that, what causes that. I don't know if success is necessarily good for a comedic brain because kind of every idea you throw out, people go, yeah, it's the greatest thing ever. And then, Eventually, audiences get used to your whatever your sensibility is and kind of find it less funny. And I, I, I should preface that by saying that nothing is less funny than two guys talking about what's funny and what's not funny. Sure. But uh, <laughs> And I understand. But, I fully understand. Before we move on with this combo, um, comedy is definitely subjective. And I, yes, totally, and I totally know that. Um, but I'm speaking as far as like box office su- mm-hmm. success – and uh, critical acclaim here. That's what I'm referring to when I say uh, a flop or something like that. Yep. But you bring up Woody Allen, and I wanted to mention him as well because I went back and watched Manhattan and mm-hmm. uh, Annie Hall this past week. Incredible how well those films hold up comedically. Yes. Um, yes. How original those <laughs> those movies are, how funny and just charming those movies are despite the uh, subject matter. Uh, considering Manhattan is about Woody Allen dating a 17-year-old at age, what, 50 or whatever he was? Yes. So, I mean, despite that, like, 
it's a great, uh, charming, like funny movie. And, um, you know, Woody Allen has had his run, of course, but he's released a movie every year since he started, literally, mm -hmm. that he's written and directed. And, uh, you know, every two, three years, he comes out with one that just makes people be like, oh, man, Woody Allen, there's nobody else comedically. You know, it's like he does Midnight in Paris and then takes uh, a little turn for the worst. I mean, he did he did like whatever works a few years back, which mm -hmm. was um, which was OK. But then he does Midnight in Paris and everyone's like, holy crap. And then he does Blue Jasmine and everyone's like, holy crap, <laughs> you know, yeah. and um, it's just incredible the way he's able to stay relevant and uh, have his own voice in comedy. And that's what I expected from Jed Apatow. And like I said, time will tell. This guy started making movies uh, in 2005 with The 40-Year-Old Virgin. But before that, he, um, he did Freaks and Geeks and Undeclared, which were not very successful uh, series on TV. But they definitely you know, led to this Jason Segel, Seth Rogen, James Franco movement that we are currently in. But time will tell. You know, it's, we're seven years removed from... From Knocked Up, his probably biggest and most critically acclaimed film. Uh, since then, he, like you said, did Funny People, This is 40, and he is doing Trainwreck uh, this coming summer. He is filming it right now, and it's coming out next summer, 2015, with uh, Breed Larson, Tilda Swinton, Amy Schumer, Bill Hader, uh, Vanessa Bayer, and our man, LeBron James, uh, <laughs> starring in that movie, written by Amy Schumer. So... We'll see what that turns into. I know you're not an Amy Schumer fan, but apparently that's there's something about it that drew Apatow to it. Sure, um, and people like Tilda Swinton and, and people like that is encouraging because I don't think those people would. I don't think T Tilda Swinton does every comedy script that comes down her way. It doesn't strike me as – she doesn't strike me as that type. Yeah, and let's not forget Judd Apatow, producer, executive producer of Celtic Pride starring – Daniel Stern. <laughs> Daniel Stern and Dan Aykroyd and Damon Wayans. And Damon Wayans, the best the three Ds. Yes. <laughs> um, there's some interesting things on the horizon, though. I think I think Rogan and and his writing partner, whose name is escaping me right now, Evan Goldberg. Uh, Evan, Evan Goldberg. I apologize. The uh, Kim Jong Il movie that that uh, that Rogan and Goldberg are making seems uh, pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, and I think they're interesting because they do kind of odd films. Uh, yeah. And. This one certainly looks the part, uh, but uh, there, there's there's a lot of different things. I, I think you know Apatow has tried to go with the last two movies he's directed at least a more serious way, and uh, I don't know if he necessarily has the chops for it, especially not in two and a half hours. Maybe if you chop those things down, they can be a lot more interesting. Um, but yeah, the Schumer movie sounds 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 quite. Uh, Quite good, and and uh, with at least with the cast, and, and hopefully it's kind of a return to kind of just a flat out comedy for Apatow. You know, it's it's a weird time comedically because the two I think the two best um, comic writers, um, and and this obviously is subjective, but I think the two most important American comedians of the last ten years. Who would you think it would be, Ken? Because I I don't think they're ever discussed because they're kind of they're interesting people. But who would you think are the two most important? Oh, um, I would put. Uh, Adam McKay and Will Ferrell up there. That's that's up there together. Mm -hmm. um, writers, uh, I would have to say Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg. Sure, just here, uh, yeah. Here's so. another team that is 
ten times as prolific as either of those, but they don't really do movies. It's Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Yes. Right? Yeah. They're the most important voices comedically sure. probably since 1999. They've their work is the most viral. They they did the Broadway play that just like swept the Tonys. I mean, they, yeah. these people these are amazingly talented comedic writers, but they've chosen to take their career kind of a weird path. They do an animated show and they do Broadway. Right. Um, but I mean, I feel like if they were doing movies, those would be must watch. Yeah. You know, so I don't think like the state of comedies is necessarily as um, like diminished as we think. It's just it's so splintered now. People are doing things across so many different mediums and things like that. Yeah. Um, and so you have someone like to segue into the movie this week, you have someone like McFarlane who does this animated show for like 14 years and now is kind of moving into film, uh, not only as a writer director, but also now as an actor. Uh, so, it, you know, it, it, I think as with everything, um, as the mediums change and as technology changes and as things change, we kind of have these voices, but we really have to find them more. And I don't know if necessarily, I think, the voices I'm fine with with McKay and Farrell, obviously, and I'm fine with Rogan and Goldberg, but I feel like it's um, there's too many imitating voices and too many people from co- that come from that camp that just the, the 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 style of comedy always seems the same. And you know, there's uh, this is the end, and Twenty One Jump Street are both <clears throat> very funny, very different movies. A lot of times, the comedy though is is very similar, um, and so you know you got to get tired of the same voice, even though it's a funny voice. At least I find, you know, that's the same. And that's why I was really optimistic. That's why I really liked Ted because it was really different. Um, and that's why I hoped this one would be, and we'll talk to whether or not it pulled that off shortly. That's fair, right? I mean, I think, yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm glad you brought up Trey Parker and Matt Stone because I, I really did have in my notes. I wanted to talk about South Park a little bit, comparing it to family guy. South Park came out and it was known for basically just raunch, you know, just, yeah, um, don't let your kids watch this show because it's nothing but just cussing and raunch. But the way that South Park has evolved over the years is truly amazing, incredible. And um, there's probably not a show that speaks more to the current state of uh, not only entertainment and uh, what's going on in the media, but uh, political talk. The, it's the best satire show of all time. Hands down, in my opinion. Absolutely. Especially just the, the whole method of making it is brilliant because they can make the whole show in five days. Right. Um, really sets them up. And the whole universe they've established, much like The Simpsons, you always have characters that you can parody a certain thing with. It's it's almost a, a comic cast of – it's like an improv show. You know, and Book of Mormon is just impossibly smart. Right. And uh, South Park is too. I, I always hear kind of teasing things that they're going to do another film, and I get excited. I mean, look at something like Team America, which is excessively stupid, but also really, really brilliant um, at, at parodying that kind of time, that 2004, yeah. you know, Iraq War time. Yeah. Um, By the way, Team America, one of Quentin Tarantino's 10 favorite movies of all time. So. Yeah. <laughs> that movie, like, when they're like, yeah, let's do a movie with marionettes. <laughs> And yeah. they're like, after day one, they're like, what <laughs> the heck are we doing with our lives? This is the hardest thing ever in the yeah. history of filmmaking to do. Uh, no, those guys are just super talented and, and oh, yeah. super, super, super smart. And I think McFarlane is a ball of talent. I really do. I th- oh, yeah. I, I, I think um, he is completely primed for becoming a comedic star. I just don't know. I, I don't know what the vehicle will be. I think Ted was partially it. It's going to be something funny like that. It, we'll see what Ted 2 does, if they can turn that into a franchise. I don't know, man. I don't know about Ted 2. Yeah, I don't know either. I know it'll make money, and I know it has potential to be to be funny and everything, but Jerry Seinfeld had a good quote um, a few 
uh, weeks back. I think it was on an a- Reddit AMA or something like that. Uh, people always ask him why he didn't do one more season of Seinfeld. Uh, he was offered over $100 million to do uh, one more season. And that was back in the 90s. So think 200 plus million now, probably. And the point he made was there's always a time to get out uh, while you're on top, you know? And the, the, uh, the analogy he made was think about the movie The Hangover. One of the, one of the greatest, if not the the best, comedy of the past ten years, and it's great. But you make three of them, and it's not great. You know, <laughs> you completely sort of soil the 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 what was special about The Hangover. I just don't want to see that with Ted. Like Ted was a very original, funny, charming comedy. Uh, you you make three of them, uh, and we'll see. You know, but that's why that's why I'm hesitant. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. It was such kind of a um had the feel of such a passion project and su- such a fun diversion for McFarlane. He just was, I just feel like as a writer, especially he was just a hundred percent in on that yeah. on Ted and, and just excited. And, and you could just feel a, a certain creative energy coming off of it that quite frankly, you did not feel in many ways to tie the West. And we'll talk about that in a second, but uh, it seemed like such kind of a labor of love and such a, kind of breaking free and breaking out. That's always fun to watch. You know, when you see someone really like, I, I always say like that, that, uh, Rogan performance in knocked up or the, uh, the Jonah Hill performance in super bad. It's just like almost transcendental. You get to just yes. watch this kind of like, Oh, this person is just peaking right now. And I got that feeling in, in Ted with McFarlane. I mean, it was just from the very first trailer you were dying. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's it, it's gonna be. There's gonna be. I think an, a new young voice um, shortly. You know, I don't know who it'll be. Maybe it'll be Damon Wayans Jr. Um, <laughs> hopefully, yeah. Hopefully. I mean, I, have you seen the trailer for Let's Be Cops? I have. Yeah, I have. He looks funny, that and the other guy funny. looks yeah. looks pretty funny. Um, yeah. The you know it'll be. We'll we'll see if it'll turn out to be anything funny. But funny premise for a movie for sure. And the the theater I was in last night loved that trailer. Yeah, just ate it up. Yeah, they showed the red um, band in my my yeah, theater. Same here. Same so, here. We'll see. But you made a good point earlier, uh, where you talked about the Seth Rogen Jonah Hills. Uh, their movies are great, and we enjoy them, and we love them, and we we highly respect uh, them too, comedically. But mm-hmm. it's sort of the same bit in a lot of the movies, especially when they bring on people like James Franco and Danny McBride, especially. Uh, they're they're good at very at one thing, and mm-hmm. and that's sort of rifting off each other and uh, making an idea funny and uh, reactionary humor as well. Uh, and this brings a whole new question um, to the table that that I was personally wondering after I saw a million ways to die in the West, um, and it sort of kept me up at night. Like, I want your opinion on this, Richard. Is scripted comedy dead? No. Not at all. I, I think I think uh, you know this imp- improvisational uh, bit that we have, which was made huge with um, Knocked Up and Super Bad, which had huge imp- improv- improvisational tones to it, and made just as big, if not bigger, by Borat, right? Which actually like you know placed the real world into the movie, um, and that's funny, and it was super different because we were used to these really tight comedic scripts but i think someone's going to write a funny script in five years and it's going to be a really tight funny script and it'll that'll bring back like comedy writing i i I just think these things are secular i think it goes from improvisational to 
to uh, to the written. I think the I think a really tight, well done comedy script will. I mean, look at someone like Tarantino. I mean, those movies are bigger than ever, and it's just like you know, no one improvs on that. I think that will make its way uh, to comedy when that right person comes along. Yeah, and the movie I look to uh, for this example is Anchorman, the first Anchorman. Mm-hmm. Scripted comedy, but all the memorable moments um, are ones that you can tell Will Ferrell just riff, was rifting. For you know, they they made another whole movie out of just the improv stuff, sure, uh, because they had so many jokes, so much material, and and I think that's that's the way with with Rogan and um, Jonah Hill is they can just take any script and make it funny, whether the joke is funny or not. Um, you, you can ob- that's definitely like twenty twenty one Jump Street is just Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill rifting of each other. Um, so, you know, I think that's where comedy is going. I think people are sort of tired of like this McFarlane like joke. Like if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Um, and he casts actors that, uh, can't really, um, make something funny if it's not funny to begin with. And, uh, so this is where I want to talk about Saturday night live because, um, there's no better place for comedic actors to, uh, train themselves and, uh, to get in the public spotlight than Saturday Night Live. And we're definitely in, uh, like you said, a valley right now uh, with SNL. And we are big proponents on this on this podcast that SNL is the most important show in comedy, the most important television comedy show uh, of the past, what? They're in 39 seasons right now, just finished 39. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, what do you feel is lacking from SNL right now. And how do you feel about SNL in general right now, Richard? Uh, you know, right now I think they have a decent cast. I just think the writing is really poor. Right. And, you know, we, we were talking about um, this before, but, uh, you know, part of it is this kind of um, weird time we're in. And, and it's and it's unavoidable to a certain extent. But I think everybody, every comedian grows up and wants to be Will Ferrell and wants to be, um, you know, all these big SNL stars, a Tina Fey, a, uh, all, all these Jimmy people. Fallon. Yeah. Jimmy Fallon. Everyone wants to be that. That's great. And there's a lot of talented people we get because of that, but I don't think enough people want to be like a Robert Schmeigel or, or a Jim Downey or, yes. these, you know, or Tina Fey before she was Tina Fey or, you know, these people were trained as comedy writers and that's a really, um, important, um, intelligent craft. And that's very different from, you know, the way SNL works is, you know, the cast also writes, so you get some, you know, Will Ferrell was writing sketches the whole time he was on the show. But you also have these kind of professional comedy writers that tighten everything up and write sketches themselves and are partnered with with performers on the show. I think the cast has some some talent to it. It could use a little more, but I don't think it's like a just un, unbearable, you know, dearth of talent. It's it's fine. You know, the writing the writing is really obvious right now. That's the best way I can put it. I mean, I'm not very smart and I'm not very funny in the grand scheme of things. And I can tell you every joke that's coming seven seconds before it comes. It shouldn't be that way. It's such an exhilarating thing. I always say that the hardest I've ever laughed was always watching like old Chappelle show and um, Dave Chappelle stand up when I was a kid or a teenager because he was the first comedian ever that I honestly didn't ever know where he was going when he set up the joke. Yeah. It always went away. I never expected, you know, the show right now is just really uh, formulaic and, and, and I mean, maybe these, this group of writers and cast will be great um, because sometimes it just takes being on the show a few years and it takes kind of being the man for a few years where you don't have someone like Seth Meyers kind of covering your sins as a, as a head writer or, you know, any older staff on there 
they may come into their own, and I hope they do, and that always happens. Like, I'm not one of these people that's like, SNL is dead, but SNL, you know, as long as there's, you know, improv schools around the country that funny people go to, SNL will live. Um, they're, the, they're the Yankees. They're always going to get the, the best of the crop, and there will always be funny people. So I'm not ever worried about it. Uh, it's just kind of one of those. I, I think SNL. I always relate is very much like rooting for a sports team. You know, you're going to have your year where you win the title, and then everyone moves on, and you've got to rebuild it. And uh, right now, I think they're in like uh, they're not abysmal. They're just maybe they're like a team that they're like an eight seed in the playoffs right now, and they need some writers to uh, have a chance to win the first round. Right. I want to I want to go over some cast members right now. Okay. And I want to start off with Will Ferrell um, because we'll start at when Will Ferrell was cast, and we'll look at everybody that's been cast since Will Ferrell. Uh, the run that they had, uh, like post-90s, is truly incredible. The 90s was arguably the best um, time in SNL history with Chris Rock, Chris Farley, uh, David Spade, uh, Mike Myers, Dana Carvey, uh, Adam Sandler, Tim Meadows. Um, so they had yeah. a, a huge heyday back in the 90s and a lot of people were like okay this is as good as it's going to get and when those people left they're like okay snl is dead it's 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 gone uh but then somebody like will ferrell comes and just completely redefines snl uh, and what can be done on snl so starting with will ferrell uh here's who has come through the snl pipeline daryl hammond who was uh known for his impressions and was on the show for over 10 years i believe Mm -hmm. i think like 14 actually right the longest-running SNL cast member of all time. Uh, Fred Wolf. <laughs> um, Chris Kattan, who had a sort of little uh, little run back back in the early 2000s with uh, Night at the Roxbury. And um, he had some memorable characters on SNL for sure, like Mango. <laughs> uh, he was small. I'll give him that. He was small. Anna Gasteyer. Mm-hmm. Tracy Morgan, who has definitely sort of done his thing post-SNL. Jimmy Fallon, who that speaks for itself, is the current host of The Tonight Show. And by the way, if you had told me back uh, two years, you know, if you had told me in 2002, by the way, this guy, he's going to be the biggest name in comedy in 2014. (laughs) I wouldn't have believed you. He was fine, but he was just, the fact that he couldn't hold it together in a skit, I felt uh, sort of ruined a lot of the stuff. It made it funny. I understand that, but you know, he's definitely sort of made it, made it his own and overcome that, uh, which is, which is good to see. What are your feelings on Jimmy right now? Well, he's built an entire career off of that, of being very nice and affable and having a ton of talent and cracking up at everybody. I mean, you watch him with a guest, he just laughs at everything. I mean, he's just a happy person. That's right. You know, and I think we get cynical on that. And it does get tired when you're laughing every sketch. But, I mean, he was really good on that show. There's plenty of sketches he didn't laugh through. I mean, I challenge anyone not to laugh at Will Ferrell and a half tea. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, he's he's completely earned, I think, what he has. And he, I think he's a testament of just if, if you're a really nice person that people want to help you and write for you and give you the – late night show and things like that. And that's great. Cause it's, it's not just because he's nice. He's enormously talented. He's really, really funny. Um, and sharp and just a ball of talent. But yeah, but he, it's, he's certainly aided by the fact that I think people really like him You're, and in that job yeah. that's necessary. I, I heard a quote. I don't remember who it was from, but if you don't like Jimmy Fallon, don't watch Jimmy Fallon's tonight show. 
because you'll like it. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. uh, despite what, what you think about him, you can't deny that he does, he kills it on that show oh, absolutely. and it's and constantly original and funny. And every night they have a skit that's just like, wow, um, nobody's doing this on TV. You know, he is definitely pushing the boundaries when it comes to late night, late night television. So Jimmy Fallon has done, definitely done his own thing. Uh, following him, Chris Parnell, who had a good run on SNL, hasn't done really anything since then. Horatio. He does animated voices. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like Chris Parnell. I always thought he was funny. So do I. And it's always fun to see him show up, especially mm-hmm. in like Anchorman and, and things like that. Yeah. And Walk Hard had a funny, memorable yes. role in that movie. Uh, Horatio Sands hasn't done anything post SNL. Rachel Dratch, uh, same situation. Maya Rudolph, who despite not doing much uh, movies or TV wise, has still sort of stayed in the public eye. And she is doing a variety show, I believe, now, um, mm-hmm. the Maya Rudolph show, uh, which is headed up by Lauren Michaels, and we'll see if that goes anywhere. Uh, Jerry Mirror? Yeah, Jerry Minor. Was it Jerry Minor? My- Afri- Af- African-American gentleman? I don't, I don't know. Like I just see his name. I don't remember yeah, him Yeah, him all. and Finesse Mitchell were uh, two, like, one-season you know. Okay. Uh, Tina Fey, of course, who is probably the most, the biggest name in comedy for women right now, mm-hmm. the biggest uh, woman writer, uh, showrunner, and comedic mind. Uh, Dean Edwards, not familiar yeah. with his work. He did a, I remember him shortly. Jeff Richards. Yep. Did a great Letterman impression, and that's it. <laughs> Amy Poehler, who has. Um, I love. Yeah, it is right up there with Tina Fey as far as uh, relevant women in comedy. Uh, Seth Meyers, who had a, a very long run at SNL and, of course, is the host of Late Night with Seth Meyers. Uh, Richard, what do you think of that show right now? Not a fan. Not a fan. Yeah. Uh-huh. Love Seth. Was really excited for it. But uh, kind of uh, – I love Armisen on there, and I like Seth Meyers. <laughs> Something is weird about it. It's too um, It's too cookie cutter. That's a show – I know he's trying. I know it's hard following Fallon because Fallon did so many things musically and things like that, and you don't want to um, mimic that. But I don't know. That show seems like a talk show from like 1993 to me. Oh, exactly. There's um, there's a parts I watch it. I TV it every night just to see mm-hmm. who's on it. You know, if there's an interesting guest, I'll watch their interview. But I always turn it on and fast forward through the monologue. Uh, immediately to the bit with uh, Fred Armisen, and when Armisen is there, they always do a back and forth. Where where Miles will throw out a question to him, and then and then uh, Armisen will just improv an answer, and it is hilarious. It's probably my favorite thing on late night TV right now. But after that bit, which is you know a two minute bit between the monologue and the desk segment, I turn it off. I'm like, okay, that's as funny as this is going to get tonight, and um, and I turn it off. But uh, genius bringing Fred Armisen on board with that. Yep. Uh, another cast member, Will Forte, who. Um, yep. <laughs> who is our favorite, maybe favorite SNL cast member since Will Ferrell. Yes. Um, just an absolute uh, hilarious person. And uh, despite uh, the lack of success from MacGruber, um, it is hilarious movie. It, re- it really, really is a, a funny and clever movie. Unlike A Million Ways to Die, it knows exactly when to get out on a joke. Uh, yes. It's, it's 70 minutes. It's literally an hour and 10 minutes um, of just <laughs> jokes. And uh, it's... It's it's a classic. It really is. And we'll see, um, you know, his Fox comedy is coming this fall, Last Man on Earth, which looks great. The best trailer for a comedy show I've seen in quite some time. Fred Armisen, of course. Finesse Mitchell, who was on uh, for a little bit. Keenan Thompson, 
who is still there, who um, you know, you and I have probably a lot of love for him growing up watching Keenan. I mean, I we've literally been watching Keenan Thompson since we were ten years old, uh, doing yep. doing improv and sketch comedy, which is uh, what he was born to do. Obviously, it's it's funny. He's the he's like the the most senior member of the SNL cast right now. But there are times. When when he he doesn't hold his weight, but there are weeks where he just carries the show in in every single sketch, and I've we've talked about it before. Like man, Keenan was just the best last night, and yeah. uh, he he can definitely carry um, a show. And and Seth Meyers said that nobody can make Lauren Michaels laugh more than Keenan Thompson yep. uh, at a table read. He is he's great. Um, Rob Riggle, who was on the SNL cast for I believe one season, yes. Uh, Jason Sudeikis. Who has definitely transcended the SNL name and has become a a big movie uh, comedic movie star with uh, We're the Millers last year was a huge success for him. Um, Andy Samberg, uh, who has also made a name for himself with not only uh, SNL but The Lonely Island, and his show uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine, which was voted best comedy series at the Emmys last year. Golden Globes. Golden Globes. Has it hasn't? Oh, Golden Globes! Uh, I'm hasn't sorry. had an Emmy yet because they're it was their first season, so Emmys are in September. Sure. But yeah, Golden Globe best best comedy series. Bill Hader, who uh, was maybe my favorite uh, cast member uh, since Will Ferrell. I know y'all are Will Forte fans, but I was uh, not watching a lot of SNL back when he was in the cast. So Bill Hader is I have a special place in my heart uh, for him. Oh, Hader's incredible. He's he is truly great. Um, Kristen Wiig. Who, of course, has transcended the name as well, and and is a huge movie star. Uh, and here, here comes the the current sort of batch of SNL people. Okay, Casey Wilson. Mm-hmm. Never, don't even can't put a name to a face. She's there. got a big pilot coming uh, on. I think it's NBC next year with um, the weed caterer from uh, Party on, Party Down. Oh, okay, uh, all right, Ken Marino. Yes, sorry, yes, uh, she's got a big pilot with him. Company. Okay. She was on a show called Happy Endings on yeah. ABC, okay. which was like actually pretty funny. Um, it was her and Damon Wayans Jr. and Eliza Cuthbert and uh, oh gosh, the guy that's on Mindy Project now. But it's like I would only ever see like the first ten minutes of it because it was like on after something I taped. But I would always laugh like four or five times, and it was. And then I started watching it by itself, and it was really funny. It got canceled, but it was. So I don't know if she's funny, but that that show was pretty funny. Uh, Bobby Moynihan. Who has had yeah. his moments? Yeah, but he's kind of let me down lately. He has. I think uh, drunk uncle is like the one thing he has left, uh, and, and that's sort I'm of run down to the ground yeah. as well. It was funny the first two times. I think uh-huh. exactly. Um, he definitely didn't show up at all last season. I don't know where he was. Um, if they're not writing him into sketches or anymore or what, but um, he has the potential to have funny moments. Uh, Michaela Watkins, mm-hmm. Abby Elliott. Who is probably the worst female SNL cast member <laughs> yeah. of all time? I don't know. I know Brian Gill feels that way, but um, just just isn't funny. She's cute, definitely attractive. But, her dad uh, was her dad was funny, right? Um, Jenny Slate. Mm-hmm. Forgot about Jenny Slate. She dropped the <laughs> f bomb on her first episode, but she's done really well. <laughs> um, <laughs> she's done actually really well. She does that. Uh, she does that uh, little. Let me see here. I'm gonna pull this up. Can't keep talking, and I'll I will uh, no, I will ahead. make some magic here. Oh, Marcel the shell. Okay, the little like kids thing. She she does that. Okay, Nassim Pedrad still on mm-hmm. the show. Still on the show and never really does anything. Another does very attractive cast member, in my opinion. But anytime really they need anything. like an ethnic 
you know, yeah. ethnic person and like a Kim Kardashian, somebody to play Kim Kardashian or uh, something like that. She's always the first person. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely a place for her in the cast, uh, but she hasn't really transcended that typecasting yet. I think she's leaving too because she is the female lead on that new John Mulaney show. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul Britton? Any thoughts? Oh, yeah. Yeah. None. He, he didn't last. <laughs> he didn't do anything. Uh, he showed up like on Seth Meyers. Like like towards the very beginning of of when his, when late night with Seth Meyers started as like one of those you know where they go to the audience and they have like those planted audience members bits where uh, uh, an angry audience member will stand up and yell something like he was one of those <laughs> yeah like dude you were on wow. SNL man that's, that's <laughs> like tough. nobody knows who he is that's that's really rough that's the only gig he can get um, let's see here Vanessa Bayer who um, has sort of her her time, I think, um, and I think I like her little bar mitzvah boy bit sometimes. Yes, uh, she definitely writes her own stuff. You can tell, and uh, is a good comedic mind. Like I said, she's in that new Judd Apatow comedy coming out next year, Trainwreck, where she plays um, the second lead uh, opposite Amy Schumer. So we'll see if she has a movie career ahead of her. Taryn Killam, who absolutely carries the show as uh, as far as the males, I believe now. He he's funny and he's good, but I, I think and he. He's really funny and could have a great, very funny career. But I would say that is the most symptomatic portion of SNL's kind of um, flatness lately is that if that's your lead guy, I yeah. don't know. No, totally. Yeah. And, and and he does lead the show, but not to say that that's a good thing. Jay Farrow, who all he does is impressions. Um, yeah, he's really, really uncomfortable in skits too. Like he's never really figured out the cadence to me. Like I – yeah, I uh, I'm, I get nervous watching him, <laughs> which is not <laughs> good when the sh- most shows lead with him by himself at a, at a you know speaking as Obama. Yes, uh, Kate McKinnon, who is fantastic, I think mm-hmm. she really hasn't done a bad like I, there are bad sketches, but she hasn't ever been bad in them. Uh, you can't really blame them on her, really. Uh, she is definitely the best female cast member, I think, right now. And she has potential for a Amy Poehler type uh, trajectory following SNL, I think. A.D. Bryant, very typecast, um, heavyweight woman, uh, definitely is like she she owes all her success to Melissa McCarthy. Success. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, the thing about A.D. Bryant is um, she to me she just has the exact same joke every time, where she like kind of is very offended by something and then like kind of denies it. I don't know. I could do it, show it to you right now, but none of you can see me, but she does this face literally every joke she tells. And it drives me insane because it's just like her go-to comedic move. And it just wears, you know, wears me out. Yes. Um, and I, I now look like the person who hates all, um, larger women on the show. Cause I've spoken out against her and Melissa McCarthy. Not true. I mean, I, I want <laughs> Melissa McCarthy and AD Bryant are probably really talented. I just wish they'd like mix it up. Like they, I don't know. I, I think I get tired of the same thing over and over again. And maybe that's, and honestly that could totally be the fault of the writers though. So absolutely. I'll, 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 I will absolutely uh, lend that to it. Uh, Cecily strong who has only really done. We can update. I don't, I'm not as high on her as especially Brian is. Brian is a big fan. I, I don't know. Her delivery kind of is she she bothers me in a weird way. I don't know what it is. Can't explain. I it. like the bit that she does. Um, girl, you should have never gotten in a conversation with at a party. I, yeah, I that's, do like that's that funny. one. That's that is really good. funny. Um, she has like you you made the point I think a, a couple weeks ago that she's just basically doing a Tina Fey impression during a during update. But mm-hmm. we'll see if she can hold her weight um, as far as the sketches go. 
so here's a sort of the newer batch of um, feature players. Uh, Beck Bennett, who has, hasn't funny. done anything. He is funny. He is funny. But they though. haven't really written to. anything uh, for him, or he hasn't really done his own thing yet. Um, so he has potential, I think. Uh, Kyle Mooney, who also has done some funny um, digital shorts. If you go and look those up, just Google Kyle Mooney digital short. He has some really, really funny stuff. Um, he hasn't really done anything sketch-wise yet, um, but he definitely has potential, I think. Uh, John Milheiser, uh, same way, just kind of there. Uh, Mike O'Brien, who no no clue why he's even there. Uh, they don't use him at all. They it, like they literally use him as like an extra <laughs> in sketches. Yeah. They don't even give him lines, but he's just sit, sitting there in the background. Uh, Noel Wells, who Brian is a, a fan of. She had a great first episode with this just this killer Weena Dunham impression and a bunch of stuff, and then kind of fell off from there. Yes, uh, Brooks Whelan, who hasn't done much. He, he literally he, plays himself. And but so, I love him. I like himself. him too. Uh, but they haven't uh, really given him any material yet. The bit he did on update about his uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers tattoo was probably the funniest sketch of the year. <laughs> I do remember that. Uh, Sashir Zamata, first uh, African-American female in quite some time. And I think sort of a response to the com- constant complaints that they don't have an African-American female in the cast. So they went out and found one. Um, That's the best since Ellen Gleghorn or whatever. <laughs> what was her name? No, that was a teacher. Who was uh Yeah, that was our that was a kindergarten teacher at our school. <laughs> no, it was Ellen Cleghorn was an SNL cast member early nineties. Look it up. I I shall. And uh the latest with a C though, Cleghorn. Cleghorn, okay. Um Colin Jost is the new um male um weekend update guy. Uh hasn't really done anything, um, isn't really taking it to a new level like say someone like Norm MacDonald did. Uh, back in the day. And even uh, Colin Quinn, I was a fan of his for a while on Weekend Update too. Sort of made it his own thing following Norm MacDonald's departure. So there's so much room uh, with Weekend Update to do what you want with it um, and and deliver the jokes in a way that's funny and original. Um, and time will tell on that. Like Seth Meyers, I wasn't a huge fan of at, at first with uh, Weekend Update, but after eight years, you know, yeah. uh, he definitely um, earned my respect in that regard. So there's a, definitely a valley right here. Um, this current cast, not really a star. You know, I would say Kate McKinnon has potential to transcend SNL. Um, Vanessa Bayer, we'll see. I don't see her as like a leading woman, but she's definitely can accent um, somebody in a movie well. And uh, Taryn Killam has potential as well, too, I think. Mm-hmm. But other than that, that's it. You know, there's just two people and the whole cast of SNL when you've come from, you know, the, the Will Ferrell era and the, uh, the 90s. Uh, the '90s era, which um, almost like every other person on that um, on in those casts has done their own thing and made huge careers out of out of SNL. Man, we'll see. You know, you're right, Richard. You know, they're in a rebuilding phase right now, to put it in sports terms. And uh, you know, we'll talk about this next year um, and see where we are with SNL. It's always good to revisit um, sort of where SNL is because it is the most important show in comedy. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. 
and they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. But uh, without further ado, let's move on and talk a million ways to die in the West. You men who long for love, you mustn't all despair. There's a secret you should know to capture the hearts of the fair. You may not have the looks, you may not have the dash, but you'll win yourself a girl if you've only got a mustache. A mustache, a mustache, if you've only got a mustache. All right, Richard. Uh, before we go forward with this review... I want to reiterate to the audience that we love movies. Um, our show's called Mad About it Movies because we like movies, um, not because we dislike them. And uh, I just feel like I need to reiterate that sometimes because I feel like sometimes people would think we either love or hate a movie. And this is one of those weeks, but uh, we are very, very 50-50 on, I would say, the vast majority of the films that we review. But I want to ask you this question, Richard. Mm-hmm. How long did you last? Oh, I made it all the way through. I went with pe- other people, though. Oh, okay. All right. Can't walk out, you know, when you're with the with the girlfriend and some friends. Right. What are your thoughts on this, Richard? General terms. <sighs> the general, uh, you know, it's it was it was a disappointment after Ted, um, but it was there was I think I found some things I like. I mean, I really like Shirley Theron in this kind of comedic role. Um, I liked. Uh, <laughs> some of the band I think her and McFarlane actually had pretty decent chemistry and it's it's a shame it was wasted on this movie. I I didn't like absolutely hate either of those two characters. Um the thing my my biggest complaint I don't know if it's necessarily with the movie or the marketing department but uh they just they they why would you put really potentially funny bits like um the ice bit or um the uh back to the future bit in the trailers? Yes, I mean that's that's just there's those those were really funny instant quick two second laughs that could have been so much funnier when they were when there was a shock factor to them, and you just killed that in the first two trailers had both of those in it and the, the, I think I would have enjoyed this movie ten times more if I walked out thinking oh wow you know Doc Brown was in that um, 
that could have been funny, but uh, but then I but everything that was really funny, I kind of knew knew it was coming. That was disappointing. And I even I don't even like seek trailers out. This was just things I saw while watching like NBA games and things like that. Uh, so that was that was probably my biggest disappointment is is that the, all the funniest you know the old cliche all the funniest parts were in the trailer, but I didn't think they had to be. I think you could have cut a funny trailer together and, and left out at least the surprise funny bits. I, I can't imagine that McFarlane was too thrilled with that. You're right. And um, I don't know how I should preface my review because you sort of should know what you're going to get with this thing. But I really respect Seth MacFarlane. I want to reiterate that. I think he, like you said, Richard, earlier, he is a really original and funny uh, comedic and a very important comedic mind um, in today's um, era of comedy. But I just expected so much more out of this than him. I expected it to be more smart. Yeah. And uh, there are smart bits. Um, there are ideas for bits that are good. Uh, for example, the whole not smiling in a picture thing. Yes. Very funny. Funny at the beginning, but they literally do the joke four times. And uh, we, we understand that people don't smile, guys. You don't have to – literally every act, um, they did a two-minute rift on that, on that joke. Yeah. Um, it's funny, and it's a, good, it's a very funny observational humor. But um, they, did, they just did not know when to get out on a joke. Uh, in this movie at all. Um, there are four flatulence jokes in the first 20 minutes of the movie. I'm not joking. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just like, is this where, is this where you've gone, McFarlane? Is this, <laughs> you don't have to do this. You know, <laughs> you're not Adam Sandler. You don't, you haven't run out of, you haven't been doing movies since 94. You know, you don't have to freaking resort to fart humor to get people to laugh at you anymore. Like you're a funny writer. You're a funny mind. You you do like, – like Family Guy was one of the more most original shows in the history of te- television, literally. And um, it was canceled, and they literally brought it back because it was mm-hmm. so funny and original. It gained such a following. Um, but Family Guy's not funny anymore to me. It was funny in 2004. Um, but have you watched a recent episode of Family Guy, Richard? No. Yeah, yeah, they're not. Near. I mean, ever since McFarlane's kind of dropped back, you have the guys, the guys who co-wrote this movie with him, uh, Sulkin and and Wild. I think kind of running that show. I I kind of I'm not a huge fan of their sensibility. No, to but, put that lightly. But Family Guy now is nothing but just offensive humor, like yeah. racist, just horrible, like just awful stuff that just like you you see it and you're like why am i even watching this you know it's not even funny some of the most of the stuff that they do now this movie just it was so cheap it just you don't like i said you don't have to do this seth you can spend time and make a funny and original stuff like he's so passionate about this movie yeah. like he really thinks this is funny stuff like original funny comedy um, he wrote like a novel version of it, like a, a novelization <laughs> of this. I don't understand how he wrote a novelization of fart jokes, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. I just don't – he doesn't have to do this and resort to this type of humor. And that's what disappointed me most about it. And um, I got a tweet from one of my friends because I publicly shamed this movie last night on Twitter because I just got out and was just so disappointed um, <laughs> with this movie. Man, I just – I don't want to use the word despise, but this movie was just so bad, in my opinion. Um, she, my friend said, it sounds like you forgot your expectations of what you were going to see. It's no better or worse than Family Guy or the like. 
I disagree. It's a lot worse than than Family Guy. Um, like I said, Family Guy is smart and funny, and they, unlike this movie, they know exactly when to get out on a joke. This mm-hmm. does not. There are just so many cringeworthy scenes in this, and and I was in a basically a full theater, and I would say ninety percent of the jokes got no giggle, like not even a hint of a laugh. And this movie is just joke, 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 joke. You know, every line is basically a joke, and I would say. 10%, maybe less of them uh, even got a hint of a laugh in my theater. So huh. I wasn't really the only one that felt that way, it seems like. My theater was the opposite. My theater laughed more than our group did. Um, yeah. So that was that was interesting. You know, it's just kind of, uh, it's a misfire. I don't know if it's necessarily like a career ender, though. I mean, it's, I don't know, but it, it, did, it didn't do too well box office-wise. Not at all. Like, I went on Twitter last night, and I was just like, I wonder what, how people feel about this movie. Mm-hmm. So I went on Twitter and I searched a million no ways to die in the West. And I would say 90, 99% of the tweets I saw best movie ever funniest wow. movie I've ever seen. Oh my gosh. I cannot stop laughing at, at a million. I've never laughed so hard in a theater and stuff like that. I just like wonder what, <laughs> what is going on with people's yeah. comedic mindset? You know, that's the most, that's the most offensive part is that there are people that, find this like original and like legitimately like funny stuff. Um, it, it, I wonder if they think that because it's offensive and because it's gross means it's funny, you know, <laughs> like, I don't know. I just, I, I'm trying not to sound pretentious here, but I like, I tend to find more intellectual humor is my brand of comedy. And I, I understand that gross out humor. There's a place for that and everything, but I just never wanted Seth MacFarlane to be that guy, you know? Um, because he is, like you said, a very original and funny person, a uh, naturally funny person. And uh, they did a mu- dance, like a song and dance number in this movie that wasn't funny. Like the song was yeah, just... Yeah, the mustache bit. Uh, grow a mustache, grow a mustache, which I played at the beginning of this review. Mm-hmm. That's all it says is the word mustache over and over again. Like they didn't do any clever rhymes or little quirks in the song. There are so many parts that just... Um, were so unnecessary. Like there's a a pot, like a marijuana cookie scene that mm-hmm. um, they just sit there and he takes a bite of a cookie and then they just laugh and stare into the sunset and then that's the joke that they ate a yeah. they ate a marijuana <laughs> cookie. There's no there's no quirk. There's no little quip. You know, it's just the fact that he ate a cookie that had marijuana in it is funny. I guess that's the joke. Like I just don't. <laughs> See how a lot of these jokes would work in like a table read. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, Absolutely. And it's and the reason I brought up earlier the scripted comedy thing is there's there's very few there's no moments in here where they're obviously like improving on something other than Neil Patrick Harris who when he's talking he's making all the cheap puns to him like the way he was reacting to like looking for an audience type thing. Yeah. Uh that was funny and you can tell that was totally off the cuff and he he made that funny because it probably wasn't in the script. Very talented people in here. I I will say I did sort of laugh at one part where the with the dollar bill bit where he goes, "Take off your hat, son. That's a dollar bill." Uh I thought that was pretty funny, just not not um not the joke, but the fact that he said dollar bill like the way he pronounced Bill was funny to me or yeah. something. And that was just like sure. an extra saying that. Um, but man, 
such a disappointment to me. I just, I just expected so much more out of McFarlane and out of this premise for a movie because not a bad premise, not a bad idea uh, to do sort of a modern day Blazing Saddles, but this just is a disgrace to that movie. Yeah, it, it couldn't decide. I think, um, and we'll, I'm going to throw a spoiler out. So please, if you have any interest in seeing this, stop listening now. But um, you know, like there's certainly these kind of um, homages to the to Django. Yeah, with the credits. Um, and then with Django actually showing up <laughs> yes, uh, at the end of the film, which I thought was the funniest bit um, of the entire entire movie. Um, it, it was just like this kind of like um, like homage to Tarantino and also to the Westerns that Tarantino was homaging and things like that. But it was just done so clumsily. Like the movie was just shot really very clumsily. Um, and the score was fantastic. Yes. Uh, the score was fantastic and original, uh, which was awesome. Uh, but yeah, just kind of – uh, just uh, a misfire pretty much from every honestly th- I will say though I will say one thing um, it, like we were saying about SNL the script is not good I, I honestly don't think any of the performances are bad though I don't think everyone's kind of hating on McFarlane for being like a bad leading man I thought he was perfectly charming given the material if he had had better material I think he would have been fine he had good chemistry with Theron uh, or Theron um, and uh, Seafree was great Neil Patrick Harris was fine Liam Neeson was Liam Neeson. I mean, like, I don't think any of the performances were bad. Um, they they might have been a little halted to you. Um, if you told me I had this exact cast with a another Western script that was allegedly funny, I would be just as excited to see it again. I didn't think any of them were bad. Is that fair? No, yeah, that's fair. And um, it just, yeah, the script was bad. And, and you wonder, like, if they even read the script before this movie. You know, it's like... Oh, Seth MacFarlane wants me to do a movie. I'm in. Like, yeah. like no one's dumb enough, honestly, and I, I totally understand that. No one is dumb enough to say no to Seth MacFarlane because um, he, he, like I said, is a very, very important and relevant name in comedy right now. Like, I'm glad you mentioned it earlier, Richard. There are funny moments, and especially the Doc Brown part. Yeah. Um, that if you didn't see that in the trailer, you would never see coming. My only complaint with that is that. <laughs> Movie is set in 1882. Doc Brown arrives in the West in 1885. I know that's a small <laughs> complaint, um, and it's clearly something that they added like after the movie was done. You know, just one little bit that they thought of afterward, and they like went on the back lot and shot. Uh, and Seth MacFarlane even admitted that on Twitter that it was something that they added. Um, I had such high expectations, and and MacFarlane was like on Twitter, he's he's defending it, and he's like. This is the exact same way the critics reacted to Ted, uh, to anyone that's hesitant about seeing a million ways. Well, no, no, it's not, yeah. Seth. It's literally the complete opposite of how the critics felt about Ted. Yeah, but he's Almost trying to get to the, the seats. Oh, yeah, yeah I trying. totally understand that. But uh, don't just blatantly lie <laughs> like, yeah. about it. Like, we're not dumb enough to not just go look on Rotten Tomatoes and see what critics are saying. Uh, Ted was funny and, and original and, and charming. It had heart. Uh, yeah. This movie doesn't have heart. Um, it tries desperately. The scene where <laughs> McFarlane gets dumped by Amanda Seyfried <laughs> and he just like stares awkwardly like into space and just like sort of, you know, could tell in his head um, thinking of like, what am I going to do now? It was just so cringeworthy. Like every moment, that tried to be like dramatic just failed miserably in my opinion. Um, don't I don't know understand why they tried to make this more than just MacGruber. Just seventy minutes of just joke after joke after joke with no real like arc 
or anything like that. It's just too, they tried to make it too much more than what it should have been, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I had a friend that said, you know, uh, you know, uh, Seth, if the funniest parts of your movie are you commenting on the Old West, just make a documentary with you narrating it with those parts and save the $100 million. Yeah. Um, so it's just it just was kind of a pointless – I don't know. It wasn't anything – like you said, I mean, Blazing Saddles has parodied this and there's just so many other things I would like to see him do, including like a music – like the music, like you said, was born in this. He's got a great voice and is a funny songwriter. Like this could have been an easy, funny musical or something. I mean, there's just a lot of things you could have done with this or taken another idea that would have been better. I don't know. I just feel like it was kind of a waste of a year and a half of a really – smart, funny person. That's, that's the thing that kind of annoys me with it. And I didn't dislike it as much as you. I think there were some things in there I liked, but you know, if someone else made this movie, I would maybe like it a little more, but it's just like, I know he's capable of so much more and that's what was frustrating. What are the, some of the things that come to mind that you enjoyed that I liked? Like I said, I liked, um, I liked the chemistry between the leads. Um, I liked, uh, I liked Theron's character just in general. Uh, I liked some of his rants, you know, I liked the sort of improvisational feel sometimes of, of him just going on about um, certain aspects of Western frontier life. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, there's this, the kind of Mel Brooks trope of, you know, I'm the only smart person here and I'm going to show you how ridiculous this world is. It wasn't Uh pulled off as well as Mel Brooks pulled it off, but I think that's a funny uh, comedic device. And uh, it was at times for brief 20 second glimpses used well. Um, but you know, on the whole, the movie itself didn't work at all. There were multiple walkouts in my theater. Surprising. Um, I, I, I literally just sat there and, and this is a two hour movie. It is, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's way too long. It's 40 minutes too long, Seth. Mm-hmm. Come on, man. Like, how, how did you not know that? <laughs> how could nobody tell me like, dude, just trim it down. You know, like there are sure. so many like establishing shots of, of, scenic you know shots that could could be cut in half or sped up you know just speed the frame rate up a little bit or something that could have trimmed a good 15 20 minutes off this movie but uh didn't do it the point and you know there were i can respect you know comedies that i don't necessarily find funny but like i said earlier comedy is subjective um and i can i can respect uh, a joke that i don't necessarily find funny but mm-hmm. where i was completely off board with this movie is where <laughs> He's hiding in the sheep, <laughs> and the sheep. He turns over, and the sheep just urinates all over him for no reason other than for a sheep to urinate all over. Him. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Why? That's never something he would do." I just don't see him as that type of filmmaker and comedic mind. I just don't know what writers' room are they in. We're like, "How about a sheep pees all over you?" And yeah. it, it leads nowhere. It's not like, "Oh, the sheep peed on him," so. The bad guys find him or something like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just just for the fact for that to happen. And then later in the movie, there's a like a tripping out sequence where he <laughs> he like um, hallucinates four CGI sheep that are all urinating into like a fountain type um, thing. <laughs> and I don't I just don't know, man. I just don't know what where he, where his mind has gone from Ted to now. You know, it just seems like two different people made this mo- those movies. Does that not seem mm-hmm. like that to you? Uh, yeah, I, I, it's it certainly does. I, you know, and that's when you get when you have three people working on a script. I think I, I, it was it, it lacked a lot of direction. Oh, absolutely. It, and I don't I, I I don't know about I don't know about uh, McFarlane as a leading man. 
I, I think he he can do voices. You know, he does Ted's voice. Um, he's obviously brilliant on Family Guy, but this is really the only or the first time we've seen him carry a movie. And uh, the jury is definitely still out on that. <laughs> uh, a lot of a lot of complaints coming from his performance. Uh, I, I'm like you. I'm a near boat, Richard. I didn't find his performance necessarily awful. Um, and I think with a better script, he has potential to do that. But, you know, I think he only really has potential on stuff that he sort of brings to the table here, that he his own ideas and, and stuff, which is fine. I remember an episode of Family Guy where there's a bit about John Favreau and they're making fun of John Favreau for casting himself in all his movies. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on, Seth. Yeah. You're doing exactly. uh, the same thing, if not worse. You know, John Favreau is in his movies, but he's not necessarily the star of all of them. Like Swingers, he, it's Vince Vaughn, you know, and in Iron Man, it's Robert Downey Jr. He's definitely sort of eating his own words in that regard. But uh, like I said, man, I just expected so much more out of this. I was excited for this movie. Yeah. I really was, and I gave it a chance. I really didn't look at reviews or anything beforehand because I, I totally understand how how subjective they, a comedy film is. But well, this is sort of the opposite of what I wanted it to be. And uh, he just resorted to potty humor. And I just never thought that Seth MacFarlane would rely so heavily on on potty humor. I just mm-hmm. – I, I hope it's, that's, that doesn't sound weird because, you know, I'm, like my friend said, this you expect a Family Guy-type movie out of this. But I really do think Family Guy was smart and funny, and um, this is not. This is not smart or funny in my opinion. But um, anything else that you uh, disliked, Richard, about it specifically? Uh, quite a bit. I mean, I I think uh, obviously the this, the script was pretty obvious. You're, I mean, not the hammer home, but you know, a lot of the jokes were obvious and petty and childish and and ridiculous. Um, it was yes, so so far too long. It took so long to get going. I mean, just yeah. like thirty minutes before the movie actually felt like it had started. Um, I didn't like the you know even though I love uh, unabashedly love Sarah Silverman, I thought that whole storyline was dumb um, and just kind of a, Oh, what if, what if a prostitute was saving herself for marriage in her personal life? Just kind of like a seventh grade joke yeah. um, to me. Uh, Rubisi's always creepy and not good. Creepy here. Like I he, like he Rubisi. Good. He's a very talented, dramatic actor, but they're like McFarland is determined to make him into like a, a, a comedian, you know, and he was fine. Yeah. in friends like he had a little run as, as Phoebe's brother on friends. That was yeah. pretty funny, but it was written. He was way funny in Ted too, but it was kind of a dark character. Yeah, uh, it wasn't necessarily a funny character. This one was a little more lighthearted, but I mean, whatever. It, it, that was just kind of a that was thirty minutes right there. I could have saved. Um, I think you could have made a lot funnier group out of um, Liam Neeson's kind of crew. Like that was a really wasted opportunity for you have Liam Neeson in this really funny movie, and you just kind of have him play it very straight and evil. Um, I don't really know why. Then why not just get anybody? You know, I mean, exactly. if you're going to have Liam Neeson, that's pretty pretty much stunt casting because he's a pretty big movie star, and you're not even going to have fun with it. That's kind of seems wasted, but who knows? Yeah, exactly. And I was unaware of this, uh, Richard. You might be more on board with this than me. Apparently, Gilbert Gottfried is still funny in 2014. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Gilbert's great. Gilbert's part of that whole. Uh, 
crew of people, though. McFarlane and uh, Gilbert, you know, I'm not going to hate on Gilbert. I love Gilbert. He's fine. Uh, it's it, just like, when's the last time you saw Gilbert Gottfried? In, in you know, all you need to know about Gilbert is Gilbert did the Hugh Hefner roast in like 2001, like September and 29th, uh, 2001, like three weeks after um, 9-11. In New York City, they decided to continue and have the Hugh Hefner roast. And Gilbert got up and started uh, not doing too well, so he started telling um, crashing plane jokes. Like literally, yeah. Three weeks later, and uh, that's all you need to know about Gilbert. Gilbert uh, is unafraid. One oh no, say. he 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 <laughs> risked. He literally dropped Affleck, Affleck, uh, who he was the voice of the duck, and got paid probably tens of millions a year to do that or something. <laughs> yeah, just to make a joke about the tsunami in Japan <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> Like he literally Some doesn't people, care. Man. Yeah. No, Some. he does. Apparently, he's the cheapest human being on the planet. I know, shocker. But apparently, he uh, still has every penny he's ever made. Well, um, it's good that um, we can see him every every ten years or so. Um, yeah. I was unaware he's. This is Abraham Lincoln. That was really uncomfortable and weird. Yeah, it was. <laughs> um, not a lot more to talk about. Um, pretty offensive stuff here. Uh, they make fun of pretty much, or you know, every ethnic group that you can think of. <laughs> um, it's sometimes full. funny, sometimes uncomfortably. Um, yeah, I had the fortune or misfortune of sitting next to a, a lovely African American couple during the runaway slave bit. That was super uncomfortable. Um, that was tough, but uh, but like the joke at the beginning where someone says a term and he he. He says, well, that was racist for our, you know, our friends from the Far East. That was kind of funny. There, I mean, you can do racial humor in a in a tasteful, funny way. and then, But you got to see all ends of the spectrum on, on this movie in not-so-tasteful ways. Exactly. Um, I really don't have much else to say, man. I know we've, no, we've, we've been talking for a while about comedy in general. And so that, that conversation sort of lends itself to this and sort of one conversation. But um, – Man, I just really hope we get some good comedy coming up. You know, uh, I hope Twenty Two Jump Street is as good as the first. I have high hopes for that. Like, I feel like we're really in a valley right now with comedy, and um, you know, I I know like Woody Allen will probably come out with a, a movie here, you know, pretty soon. I I do have high hopes for Apatow's new movie. Uh, will Ferrell is in a new movie with Kevin Hart, Richard. So we have, <laughs> I saw that. We have that to look forward to. But my girl Allison Breeze in it too, so I'm very torn on that. Exactly. Um, but man, we will um, have another convo probably next year um, if, if another movie is like this and we need to sort of reevaluate the comedic spectrum. But uh, Richard Barden, let me ask you this. Grade for A Million Ways to Die in the West. I'm going to go – this is tough. I'm going to go D+. Plus. Oh, stole my stole my um stole my grade. D plus exactly. Does not get a pass for me at all. Um there's about eight minutes of good jokes here. There really yeah, it is. wasn't an F. It wasn't it, an it F. was spread over to an a two hour running time. Sure. So uh man, McFarlane, like I said, I respect him a lot and I want more from him and I, I do believe that he can recover from this. Um and uh, we will see with Ted 2, and hopefully he does uh, a non-sequel after Ted 2 that's not uh, anything like this. Hopefully he learned his lesson with this one. That's, that's my opinion. Uh, so, Richard, let's move on. Let's do Weekly Recommend. Weekly Recommend. 
So we talked a little bit earlier, Richard, about late night television. And uh, you and I really grew up on late night TV. I mean, um, with Letterman and Leno and uh, Craig Ferguson towards the end and Craig Kilborn even for me uh, for a while. Uh, I I watched and Conan O'Brien, let's not forget. Man, really shaped our minds comedically. And we owe a lot to them uh, for um, us doing this podcast even. But I want to recommend a movie this week. Uh, which is on HBO Go, and um, it has made its way onto Amazon Prime Instant Video. Um, so if you're not an HBO Go subscriber, but you do have Amazon Prime, you can check it out. Not a great film, uh, not very, 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 very funny, but um, it's sort of a biopic, uh, so to speak. It's the dramatization of the rivalry between Johnny Carson and the new host of The Tonight Show. It's called The Late Shift. It is based on the book Richard has recommended on this show before uh, by Bill Carter. And um, so it's sort of the telling of the uh, who's going to take over after Carson's story, uh, either Letterman or Leno, and sort of uh, with that feud. It's very 90s. It was made in 96, uh, but it even it feels even earlier than that because the movie's set in like 1990. Mm-hmm. So uh, check it out. Um, like I said, it's on HBO Go and on... Um, on Amazon Instant Video. It stars John Michael Higgins as David Letterman, who did make yes. an appearance in A Million Ways. Uh, but yeah. a great, great um, impression of, or impersonation of David Letterman. Uh, very impressed by his work in that. Um, and Daniel Roebuck, who plays Jay Leno, who, I mean, it's it's pretty cringeworthy the way he plays Leno in it. But um, yeah. Uh, if you can get over that, um, it's a really good story. And, um, you know, I, can, I can't recommend the book because I haven't read it yet, but I wanted to check this out to see if I would even be interested in reading the book. Uh, Bill Carter did do the, the teleplay for this, um, so I imagine it's sort of the same, um, a lot of the same stuff. But have you seen it, Richard, the movie version of The Late Shift? I, I have, and I, I recommend the book, and I, I also recommend The War for Late Night, which is the sequel, which is more yes. about the Conan O'Brien struggle. Um, both are, I mean, the late the War for Late Night, especially because it's more current, it's just a fascinating, awesome read. Um, and Bill Carter is a great journalist, and uh, uh, Tarantino at one time uh, on Conan said he wanted to make the movie version, uh, The Late Shift Two. Um, really? As a revenge, as a Conan O'Brien revenge, uh, like Kill Bill style movie. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, no, I those are those are awesome movie and the movie's really dated, but just for Higgins, uh, you know, performance alone, worth it. Yeah, I, absolutely, and it's not like I said, it's not an A plus uh, movie. No, uh, I give fun. it, I give it like a B, but it's a really cool little look into the behind the scenes of what happened, um, mm-hmm. and and it's worth seeing um, John Michael Higgins uh, play Letterman. Uh, he sure. really does a fantastic job. Uh, Bob Balaban also in it. Kathy mm-hmm. Bates as well. Uh, so some good actors. Um, and it's worth checking out if, you, if it's free on Amazon Prime or HBO Go. If, you've got, if you're interested in late night uh, television, you'll find it interesting. Uh, Richard, weekly recommend. Yeah, I'm going to recommend a book. You guys know I, I reference all the time the, uh, the Adam Carolla podcast. He's got a new book out called President Me. Couldn't recommend the uh, audiobook higher. Uh, it's really, really funny. Uh, kind of a comedic take on what someone would do as president. It's, it's very foul. So if you're offended by uh, tough language, adult language, then then stay away. Uh, but if you're not and uh, you're kind of interested in in uh, a very funny comedic take on on the presidency and how uh, 
the United States could be upgraded. Uh, this is this is definitely a good a good feel for you. And uh, yeah, I, I've been I've been sending. Can I send you some excerpts? I've been oh, just yeah. crying, laughing, listening and reading this thing. It's uh, it's it's <laughs> it really is maybe his best work. And I think he's a really talented, kind of underutilized comedic voice. And this is like kind of a greatest hits collective of him. It's it's really really funny. Yeah, and perfect, perfect, great choice to have Corolla do his own audiobook too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I can imagine how awesome he that reads would be. like three sentences and then just yells. Like he yells at the producer at one point. He doesn't read well, so he just ends up ranting the whole book, and it's uh, it's really really funny. Yeah, um, I'm gonna have to check that out too. You've recommended yes, it enough. It. I saw the book in the bookstore, and I I was wondering if you had read it or seen it. But yeah. really, by the time I got home to ask you, you were like already quoting it and stuff. So um, yeah, I'll definitely check that out. What's it called again? President Me. President Me. Oh, sounds great. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you, I, I bet if you are a fan of the Adam Kroll show, if you're a big podcaster, um, you'll enjoy that. Um, he does a uh, a rant in there which is in the hard copy tube where he pretends like he's addressing the UN and he kind of like diagnoses what's wrong with the entire world country by country. And it is that three pages or whatever, how long it is in the audiobook is, is funnier than anything in a million ways to die in the West. It's very observational and, and hysterical. And it's a way to do kind of offensive comedy in a tasteful and intelligent way. Cool. Well, that's something that definitely interests me uh, after, after this past weekend. Um, so, Richard Barton, let me ask you this. Where can I find you on the internet? You can find me at Richard Barton. Kent, where can I find you? You can find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison. You can find our colleague, Brian Gill, on the internet at BGill12. He'll be joining us this Tuesday when we discuss John Favreau's Chef. Uh, so be sure and see that movie and uh, check out that podcast. And on that note, until next time, we will see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Goodbye.